Welcome to episode 13 of the 4 Out 1 In podcast with your host, George Hamilton III. And Carlos Costas. How you doing, bro? Uh, to say the least, I'm excited to talk about this. It's been a very full 24, 48 hours in terms of basketball news. Um, just trying to piece together all the moves uh, that everyone made. I have Chris Haynes, Rose Shams all on post notifications right now, so... Anytime during this podcast, you see me look down on my phone, like right now, you're going to know what I'm looking down for. But how, how are you feeling so far? Uh, Good. I mean, not a lot of big news to talk about in terms of p- players transitioning to different teams. I mean, obviously, there's one in particular that everyone has, knows about by now, probably. But uh, I mean, obviously, the news broke out that a big name player wanted once a trade. And so, I mean, we'll get into that, but I mean, and so far free agency hasn't had like the big player movement as we probably thought we would see. But um, I mean, a mellow free agency isn't bad once in a while, once in a while. For sure. For sure. All right. So we ready to get into this and talk about each team so far and the moves let's, they made. Let's go. All righty. All right, so starting with the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks acquired DeJounte Murray and Jock Landell in a trade with the San Antonio Spurs, which required Atlanta trading Danilo Gallinari, a first-round pick in 2023 via Charlotte, two unprotected first-round picks in 2025 and 2027, and a pick swap in 2026 to San Antonio. They also acquired Justin Holliday, and forward Mo Harkless and a future first round pick from Sacramento as they traded Kevin Herter to Sacramento, obviously. And they signed Aaron Holiday on a one year deal. Uh, what's your opinion of this move by the Atlanta Hawks? These moves, I should say, by the Atlanta Hawks as they were really the kickoff to free agency. Yeah, I mean, when, when this DeJounte Murray trade happened, I texted George that. I don't really know how to feel about this trade um, right now, just because in the sense that it doesn't really um, seem like a more traditional backcourt. Now that you have two um, point guards, in a sense, uh, that I guess in San Antonio, DeJounte had the ball a lot in his hands, and we all know Trey Young is a heliocentric ball-dominant player. So pairing those two up kind of just – it kind of just felt weird, but I know it's going to work. Um, just given the versatility and everything that DeJounte could do and just um, being the, the the defensive, I guess, anchor between the two of them on the court, I think is going to work out a lot. And the fact that the Hawks were able to pull this trade off without giving away um, a John Collins, which was originally rumored, or DeAndre Hunter just losing Gallo and uh, future draft picks, um, which I think as long as you keep Trey Young, your franchise player, uh, for those years until 2027, um, I think this is a W of a trade. And acquiring Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless, um, getting rid of Kevin Herter, uh, 
kind of like a lateral-ish move because they didn't really up- upgrade in the wing spot. Uh, Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless, both for sure going to be contributors, um, just being two veteran wings who who know their role and play pretty well. And uh, the Aaron Holiday signing, um, again, another veteran piece. Uh, I think this is just for long-term depth down the season, if anything goes down. Um, Aaron Holiday, if you're going to slide him into like the, the third string rule, I think he's a perfect um, player for that. All right. So, yeah, I, I would agree on you with most of those fronts. Uh, the trading Danilo Gallinari, who I think is making 18 million dollars, who was supposed to make 18 million dollars this season. Uh, San Antonio obviously waived him because they're in a, moving in a different direction. So trading Danilo was an actual plus for Atlanta, in my opinion. As you said, the fact that they didn't give up DeAndre Hunter or John Collins is a plus. I feel that if they're obviously they're still in the running for DeAndre Ayton. So I feel like if they are going to trade for DeAndre, either Hunter or or Collins would probably have to be moved just to sort of make money match. But uh, it's going to be interesting because giving San Antonio two unprotected first round picks, obviously three years down the line and five years down the line, is very risky so i mean atlanta we obviously they had the conference finals run in 2020 but i mean with this move it's now kind of going to be a similar conference finals or a failure type of season because you're you have the pieces to actually be a not a finals a NBA con- an NBA title contender but at least a contender in the Eastern Conference to make the playoffs. I think the Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless trade with Ke- for Kevin Hurt or Kevin Herter for Mo Harkless and or no, Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless for Kevin Herter. I feel like that trade I think is just so that they can get some salary off the books as well as to lead into the DeAndre Ayton trade as possibility because I think they gave Kevin Herter I want to say like close to 48 50 million last year or two years ago so I feel like Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless I think Mo Harkless is still making a decent amount of money but Justin Holiday I think is only making like eight million per season so uh, it's just a move to relieve some of the salary that they would possibly have to make a trade for DeAndre Ayton. And then, as you said, the Aaron Holiday deal is just a great point guard who's been in the league for four seasons, I think. Four seasons, was on the Washington Wizards before he got traded to the Phoenix Suns. And and I think, as you said, they can put – he's a great backup role guard if you need him to be, in case someone gets injured. And, I mean, he can also be the third string guard. But, I mean, I don't know how to feel about the Aaron Holiday trade because, I mean, you have Sharif Cooper that's just sitting there. And I don't know, maybe he does become the backup point guard since the since DeJounte and Trey Young are going to be the starting backcourt. So maybe there is a Aaron Holiday, Sharif Cooper backcourt in my opinion. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I like how you brought up Sharif Cooper. I mean, I think we're so high on him. And um, you brought up the 
now that you bring up the point that DeJounte Murray has some ball handling duties outside of Trey, kind of takes the load off of Sharif Cooper, which I think will work in his favor in being a long-term player. Um, not the Atlanta Hawks, but just in the NBA for a while, just good letting him develop. Um, but going on to the next team, the Boston Celtics, this is the most recent trade uh, that happened in the time of us recording right now. Uh, they acquired Malcolm Brogdon from the Indiana Pacers, um, and they gave up Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice, Nick Stauskas, Leek Fitz, Jawan Morgan, and a 2023 first-round pick. I don't know if there's a protection on it. Um, and Danilo Gallinari was reported after being waived by San Antonio um, that he prefers to sign with the Boston Celtics. Um, and I know George has been kind of talking about Brogdon to, to the Clippers. That was a, an agenda that he was putting. But um, going to the Celtics, uh, I know George kind of likes this trade. So talk to me on it. I think Malcolm Brogdon is the right piece possibly to help out with the bench. They gave up. Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice. I mean, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Jawan Morgan were all like reserve players. But uh, I feel that Malcolm Brogdon can help this team in the way that if he does come off the bench, because I don't see Marcus Smart sliding to the six man, but possibly. I think Malcolm Brogdon can provide the scoring spark that Peyton Pritchard didn't really bring in sort of like the finals for example he can get you 15 and probably average about six or seven assists he's a great three-point shooter well yeah great three-point shooter at least better than league average and his drive and kick especially with guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the wings I'm pretty sure Al Horford is probably staying there so they're gonna have the floor spacing to for Malcolm Brogdon to operate coming off the off the bench and I wouldn't be surprised if we sometimes see a lineup of Malcolm Brogdon I can't think of his name Marcus Smart Jason Tatum Jalen Brown and either Horford or Robert Williams but I think this trade actually helps Boston in a way where they get back a piece they get a piece that could have helped them in their, their finals run this year but obviously they're building towards the long run and I think in terms of Indiana, you get a little bit of youth to go along with what you're trying to build over there. And as I said, with like sort of in the free agency, not free agency, in the NBA draft with OKC, they're just trying to find pieces that'll fit for the long-term run. No, definitely. I, I do like Brogan for them. Um, I don't really think about him coming off the bench, but when uh, you said it earlier kind of made me think like they had a very good lineup obviously which brought them to the NBA finals this year and it's a point to like where does Malcolm Brogdon fit in that if someone comes off the bench or if he comes off the bench but either way I think this is a great trade for the Celtics giving up a bunch of reserves um not saying that they're like to give up on Aaron Neesmith but <clears throat> just that he doesn't really fit the timeline for them right now that that uh, they don't really have time for him to develop, given that they went to the NBA Finals last year, and they're trying to go back there now. And it's, I don't know, if Neil Tice gets bought out and re-signed by the Boston Celtics, him returning for the third time in his career, I, I don't know. It's just going to be funny if that happens. I just wanted to, to bring that up. But, uh, yeah, on to the Brooklyn Nets. They've had a lot of news um, other than these signings, but let's get to the signings first. 
they re-signed Patty Mills, uh, two years, almost $15 million. Uh, they traded for Royce O'Neal and all they gave up a 2023 first round pick and they re-signed uh, Nick Claxton, two years, 20 mil. Um, and let's talk about this before we get into the whole Kevin Durant thing that we met earlier. Uh, I mean, this is going to be interesting because as we, we can't, we can't mention the signings without mentioning what happens with Kevin Durant and Kyrie. But I think that them bringing Patty Mills and Nick Claxton back, I mean, those two moves I think are good because they needed a center. They lost Andre Drummond, which we'll get into later, but uh, they, they needed to bring Nick Claxton back. Now there's not that many centers on left on the market. I mean, obviously they're rumored in the the whole Kevin Durant sweeps. They're rumored to be in the DeAndre Ayton sweepstakes, but I heard that the Nets don't even want DeAndre Ayton back. They want Devin Booker if he is going to get if KD is going to get traded to Phoenix. But I think Patty Mills and Nick Claxton are valuable role player pieces that they needed to bring back out of the the free agents that they have. Obviously. The one player you don't see on this list is Bruce Brown, and that's because he went to Denver, and we'll get into that later. But I think losing Bruce Brown and acquiring Royce O'Neal in a trade, while I don't think it's the best, I think it's the better move that Royce O'Neal is a possible is a possibly better three-point shooter. I don't think he brings as much value to the court as what Bruce Brown did for the Nets this season, especially late in the back half of the season where he shot the ball from three efficiently well from three. And I think that them giving up their 2023 first round pick for Royce O'Neal is going to hurt them in the long run, depending on what happens, obviously, with this Kyrie and KD situation. If they get picks back for that, then if they get picks and at least a star player or at least yes a star player or or role good amount of role players i think they'll be fine but i mean we can get into the whole Kyrie KD situation after you have your your takes on the patty mills and all of that well starting with nick claxton i i really like claxton what he showed uh this season with the nets so resetting him, I think, is a good move by the Brooklyn Nets. Whether uh, your two stars come back or not, I think you have something good there uh, with class. Um, Patty Mills, I mean, Patty Mills is such a good locker room guy. So I, I think signing him, although he might not, you know, whatever happens to your two players, Patty Mills is going to be like averaging 30 points or something like that. But just being a, a good guy in the locker room, I think is super important for a kind of disgruntled organization at the moment right now. And like you said, I think giving a first round pick um, isn't really greatest of moves to acquire Royce O'Neal back. Um, I guess if you're trying to entice Kevin Durant or Kyrie to stay. Uh, but I mean, this kind of puts Brooklyn in a a weird situation just because they don't really have the leverage on either KD or Kyrie. Here we go. We're going to get into this right now. <laughs> that they don't really have leverage um, on these guys. Like Kevin Durant gave a list of, you know, the top two uh, destinations that he wants to go to are Phoenix and Miami. 
And and with that, either way, I think the trade is going to be a difficult trade to pull off. Um, on either side, they're kind of have to pull on each other's strings to, to make it happen. And I think the Brooklyn Nets can't really do anything uh, in that sense and kind of just do right by the players, um, if you want to call it that. But it's, I don't know, I, I kind of feel for Kyrie just because, like, he said he was committed to Brooklyn and the day after or like the same day, I guess that he opts into his player option, Kevin Durant requests a trade. Um, so morally, I think I am upset about that, but uh, going, seeing these two go to different teams or want to go to different teams does not surprise me one bit. All right. Well, at least we, we disagree on, on this. Cause I, I feel that Kevin Durant, while he has a right to to request the trade, I feel like he has a little bit of blame to take on this. Like, you if we if we just go back and and go back to 2019 and when they all when Kevin Durant and Kyrie joined to the Brooklyn Nets, they advocated for DeAndre Jordan, which in my opinion DeAndre Jordan has been out of his prime for at least the last what two to three no going back to at least 2017, so seven years, six, five years ago. I feel that that move, they, the Nets gave, in my opinion, they gave Kyrie and Kevin Durant too much power. That move for to give DeAndre Jordan an extension was the dumbest thing, in my opinion. He's not 2015 DeAndre Jordan. He's not Lob City DeAndre Jordan that was posterizing centers and blocking shots was in the defensive player of the year running back then he was not that guy then they let Kenny Atkinson go because they wanted a, a change in, at the coaching position which in my opinion I think Kenny Atkinson was in now that I look at it I feel like he could have been the right coach for Kevin Durant and Kyrie but then you have so so Kenny Atkinson gets fired then you have I think I don't know if that was the same I don't know if that was the same year as the year they brought in Steve Nash, but then you have Kyrie and I like Kyrie as a player, but some of the stuff he says in the media says to the media sometimes rubs the media the wrong way and sometimes is unnecessary. But I don't know if you remember this, but he said that like, Oh, we don't need a coach. And that I think ties into what, why they're in the situation they are now like apparently there's the rumor that Kyrie and KD still want to play together not just not in Brooklyn which makes absolutely no sense to me because like you're the you two are technically the reason are are part of the reason why Brooklyn is in the mess they're in right now you asked for them to trade for James Harden and and you literally gave up Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, two valuable role players I think you would wish you'd had now. You gave up those two. Then you gave up, what was it, three or four picks? Either yeah, or, something like that. Yeah, they gave up three or four picks for James Harden just for that to only last a year and a half at the most. And I know the, the vaccine mandate, or I probably shouldn't say that, but the, the mandate actually played a part in it but I feel that KD asking for a trade right after Kyrie 
opted into his player option? Is KD not trying to be stuck in Brooklyn just in case Kyrie is like, after next season, I'm done? And I, I, I do see that. And I you put it in a pretty good perspective that um, this whole situation is like pretty much on them that they did it and that the Nets were accommodating to them by any means. And I'm all for player empowerment and everything because I think um, every time I think of player empowerment or like that the NBA is a business, I think like what Boston did to Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely like, you know, power to the players and everything. But I mean, with superstars like this, I feel like they almost abuse the power that they do have, especially in situations like this, that this organization has done whatever you ask them to do. And they did it because they want you to play there and just, uh, put them in a situation where they're like at so much loss I don't know I think it should be more than just Twitter memes to say that this player is not being like a good person in this way uh I think that the Brooklyn Nets like as the organization um should not be in the wrong in this situation yeah I remember think I was watching oh I was watching at my internship we were we were talking about this Wednesday and Thursday but I feel that Kevin Durant I mean in this instance while he's requesting a trade I don't know who you really trade him to I mean yeah you can make money match but obviously we're not in the realm of 2k where we can just throw out random trades that actually work money can match but at the same time, we're you're asking, you're trading Kevin Durant, a future Hall of Famer. I don't care if you hate him for going going to the Golden State Warriors and building that the Guardians of the Galaxy of the NBA, for lack of a better for a better phrase. But Kevin Durant is a two-time M- Finals MVP, two-time champion, one-time MVP. Uh, gotta be at least the twelve-time All Star at this point. Like. He's broken the he's broken records and made headlines in literally everywhere he goes. So I don't know how Brooklyn trades KD and they don't get valuable return for him. Because as we saw with Atlanta, DeJounte Murray got traded for four first round picks in a sense or three first round picks in a pick swap. Kevin Durant has to go for at least what? If you don't get a star player, you got to get at least, what, three to four role players and probably, what, five or six picks? I mean, you would imagine that you get some type of good value in return, but do you think that's realistic? And everything that we just said, that Kevin Durant has all the leverage at this point? I don't no. think – yeah, no. And so, then, And then I feel that Kevin Durant – I feel that – I and and I'm gonna I'm gonna relate this to football because it's my because my team kind of is going through a similar situation with our star player. So Kevin Durant and Debo Samuel, since I'm a 49ers fan, Debo Samuel wanted wants his money right, but and he requested a trade, but we're in a situation where we can't give him his money without getting Jimmy Garoppolo off the books so that we can make the right amount of money work so that he can get whatever he wants without us being financially 
strapped for a better word. And Debo and I was telling people I've been telling people since like Debo requested to trade like he's not going to he's he doesn't want out of San Francisco he just wants his money so that if anything bad happens like he'll be he'll be financially secure and I'm tell and I told people like we just have to get Jimmy Garoppolo off the books for him to just get his money and then the trade request goes away so while the trade request is still technically quote-unquote out there that he still wants to be traded he's still showing up to like mini camp and all of this stuff right I think in my opinion I don't know who you who Kevin Durant gets traded to if you're Sean Marks because they're fielding calls from every team but at this point you're trying to get at this point, if you're trading Kevin Durant, you're trying to get the best return value possible. But at the same time, you don't know Kevin Durant and Kyrie are going to be favors because there's part of the reason they put you in this situation. So in my opinion, since I've thought about this over the last 24 hours, since it's well, 23, 24 hours, because Kevin Durant put in the trade request like around noon yesterday on June 30th, I feel that Kevin Durant possibly won't get traded that is my that is my niche and I won't be surprised if that happens just because of like the magnitude of a trade that has to happen for Kevin Durant to be traded like it's going to be like a crazy crazy trade and I don't think that Brooklyn can do that mm-hmm. it, 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 I, you put it in great terms the way you just said it right now and you wonder if he doesn't get traded that it becomes the same situation as James Harden in Houston where he'll force his way out by not showing up or when he does show up, you know, out of shape, doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to play um, type of thing to get his money. And I'm not even, I don't think Kevin Durant is the type of guy to not play because he doesn't want to be there. I think Kevin Durant, you, you know, he always says this, that he's like a hooper, like by any means necessary, and he's going to play because he loves the game. Um, I mean, I hope he does play, even though we might know that he doesn't want to be there, just because I think it's for basketball. And it's, I think if he doesn't play and we have another situation that happens to James Harden, it's just a bad look for the entire league and just the legacy of Kevin Durant and the legacy of the NBA. Um, So I definitely think that the league might have to step in just a little bit in this situation if things start hitting the fence even more than they already are. And to, to piggyback off of that with the league, I feel that with everything that's gone on the last two years, the Ben Simmons drama, of him signing that extension, that max extension, and then wanting out of Philly and not playing, and basically doing anything and everything he can to get out of Philly. The James Harden situation with Houston putting on the fat suit to make himself look overweight, and now you're in the the Kevin Durant situation where, and Kyrie will throw him into this too, where they can literally sort of force their way out even though they really don't have leverage but they do in a sense they can just force themselves force their way out and literally put keep Brooklyn in a situation where they've done all this to to help them and basically appease to them 
And now they're left in a situation with where Brooklyn is literally trying to salvage anything they can for the, for just to equal, just to get equal value of what they're giving up. I feel that the CBA, which expires in 20, after the 2023, 2024 season, I feel that the owners and the players, the owners are going to make a lot of changes to this CBA, to that CBA. And a lot of the changes that you're going to see are going to deal with player empowerment, which as Carlos said, I'm, he's all for, and I'm all for, but I think there's going to be some major changes that happen because all it takes is for one player to, all it takes is for two players to come into a franchise, do whatever they want as the front office lets them and then put them in a situation where if it doesn't work out, they can just leave. And I do think that pretty much the plan for Kyrie is possibly to go to the Lakers that's pretty much what I'm hearing but even then I feel like that's uh, that's kind of impossible unless he gets a buyout option because in order to make that work Russell Westbrook has to go which I mean all Laker fans are for at this point but I don't see it happening because Brooklyn doesn't want Russ so uh, I feel like both of these players are literally just stuck unless Kyrie gets a, uh, a buyout option. Yeah I agree and I guess it's just going to be one of those things that we wait and see, and who knows if that's going to be in the next couple of days or not. But enough Brooklyn Nets talk for now. Um, and, you know, from one bad situation to another, <laughs> we can get into the Charlotte Hornets and more specifically the situation with Miles Bridges just because they haven't really had much free agency news in their organization. This is the biggest news that we've had in the offseason for them. Um, and Miles Bridges, uh, was it on Wednesday? He was arrested for charges of assault. Yep. Did you see, have you seen the, the pictures his wife posted? Yeah. And I want to talk about this just because, um, I hate to bring this up to football, just like the Deshaun Watson situation, like, I think the NBA as an organization has to address this. Um, and the NBA by far is the most progressive league in sports. And I'm not trying to get too political or anything. The NBA has been doing a pretty good job of um, kind of keeping a positive reputation and upholding pretty high standards for all their players. Everything just... Uh, I mean, to bring up another bad situation like Myers Leonard, he's probably never going to play another minute in the NBA because of this. And I think that this Miles Bruce might be in that same situation at this point that although, you know, he was he was up for a big time contact and he's um, kind of blooming into, I don't want to say all star, but a, a good player um, in this league that's going to be in the league for a long time. You know, LaMelo Ball running mate, lob threat type of guy, exciting player for the league. But I think for his actions, um, I don't think the NBA should let him play another minute in in the league because I don't think that this behavior is acceptable under any circumstance. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I didn't I didn't even find out about the situation until I went to dinner Wednesday. Yeah. So I went to dinner Wednesday. Um, I didn't find out about the situation until after I got home from dinner. Like I, I have my Twitter notifications off because when I'm at work, I don't like to be on my phone that much unless unless Carlos hits me up, then I'll I'll text him back. But uh I mean the job I'm at, they don't really make a big deal about us being on our phones but just from my experience of working I don't like to be on my phone as much and so when I heard about the the Miles Bridges situation and that he got arrested in Los Angeles for assault I'm like oh like this is the worst possible thing that could have happened not only to Charlotte because but to Detroit Charlotte was very hesitant to match any offer sheet that any team uh threw at miles bridges in terms of contract money and from what i heard he was going to get a hundred dollars for four for a hundred million for four years from detroit which i mean that is an overpay but i mean in this day and age there's really no such thing as overpay because if you can shoot the ball if you can shoot the three ball at a efficient rate you can make at least 70 million look at davis bruton's and and duncan robinson for example but miles bridges I feel that after after the pink drink situation and after this situation, I don't think there's much for him in the league anymore. I'm, I'm and I and I hate to say it because he had a he had a bright future, but like I don't know how that situation happens and then this past situation on Wednesday happens and the NBA allows him to be in the league. No, for sure. And if if Myers Leonard says slurs on Twitch stream, um, I think there's levels to it um, just in different behaviors that the NBA doesn't put up with. And if Myers Leonard is not going to play another minute in the NBA, um, that I don't think Miles Bridge should either. And if he does, I don't think I'd support the NBA in that decision. But yeah, I think we're we can both say that Miles Bridges. This might be one of the last times we talk about him, <laughs> uh, after everything he's done. But uh, moving on to a lighter. Did you want to say anything more about the Hornets? No, nah, that's it. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll wait to see if there's um, free agency news on them or anything. But let's bring it back to a lighter note with the. Chicago Bulls, they re-signed uh, all-star guard Zach Levine to a max extension, five years, $215 million. Uh, they signed Andre Drummond to two years, six, uh, $6 million. Then I just got a notification about 20 minutes ago that they re-signed Derek Jones Jr. Um, two years, $6 million, the same deal that Andre Drummond got. Um, yeah, so I, I we kind of all knew that Zach Levine wasn't really gonna go anywhere. There was always talks that he was, but um, I think it's great for Zach Levine. I think it's a long time coming that he gets a big payday and he gets the respect um, from the league that he most definitely deserves uh, for a long time. He is not an empty stats guy um, or anything like that. Uh, and Zach Levine is always, from everything I've heard about Zach Levine, he's a good locker room guy, just a great player to be around um wants to win and and 
he does it the right way. So I think him getting this max extension is good for the Bulls and good for Zach Levine. And I think the Bulls are going to be another solid playoff team, especially with signing Andre Drummond. I think that they didn't really have a paint presence off the bench. No disrespect to Tony Bradley, but I think Andre Drummond is definitely an upgrade at your back of big position. I think he's going to hold it down um, for Chicago extremely well uh, in his role as long as he, did, he doesn't do any, you know, coast to coast behind the back passes type things that Andre Drummond, you know, he loves to do and everything. And Derek Jones Jr., I think wing depth, again, that we talked about even in the draft that it's wings lead um, and Derek Jones Jr. Uh, helps that. And I think the Chicago Bulls definitely needed that. I think that they were loaded um, at the guard spot, but lacked in the wing slash big department. And I think Andre Drummond and re-signing Derek Jones Jr. Um, is definitely going to help them go back to where they were last year. I agree with you. The biggest thing with the Bulls last season was health. They had, Obviously, Lonzo was out for a majority of the season. Caruso was hurt for a majority of the season after the Grayson Allen uh, dirty play, if you want to call it. You had, did I say Levine was out for, for a while? I mean, the only thing that was keeping this team together was DeMar DeRozan and Vooch for, for a for a time. I mean, Vooch could, can play better, but he's got to be better defensively. Uh, but Zach Levine getting a five-year, $215 million max deal uh, is something that I think he deserved and earned. He got his first all-star nod what last year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And he's a big reason as to why I think the Bulls can go far. And along with DeMar DeRozan, obviously, and I think Andre Drummond as the backup big, you said it, he's better than Tony Bradley, no disrespect, but I think he can hold down the backup big position similar to how he did with Philly and somewhat Brooklyn last year. And Derek Jones Jr. is just a wing death position, and he was missed as he missed some time last year as well. And so I think bringing these three guys back, maybe they make another signing in the future. But uh, bringing these three guys back is something that uh, I'm appreciative of. And I think all it is, all it comes down to with the Bulls is health. If they're healthy, I think they can be one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. Now, well, we got the Cleveland Cavaliers. My goodness, Cleveland, the Cavs, the Cavs, the Cavs. (laughs) Uh, They and Ricky Rubio to a three-year, $18 million deal. And they also signed Robin Lopez to, um, I think the report just said one year, but I, I'm going to assume it's a vet minimum. Uh, I could start us off on this. I think the Cavs um, needed a ball handler. Uh, I think late last season, they brought in Rondo to kind of fill that role, um, kind of a backup ball handler outside of Darius Garland. Uh, but I think bringing Ricky Rubio in is a smart move by the Cavs. I think Ricky Rubio has a lot to contribute to the NBA. I think he's still a valuable point guard, even though he's not the the guy he was in Minnesota years ago. Um, but this makes me think of what they're going to do with Colin Sexton. I believe he's a restricted free agent, yeah? Yes. 
Yeah, restricted free agent. And when I knew that Cleveland wanted or needed a ball handler, I thought you're going to get Colin Sexton back um, from injury if he's a restricted free agent. I think that the Cavs should offer him thing because I think Colin Sexton is still someone or is still someone I um, am high on. And I think that if the Cavs run back with him next year, that they could make some noise again because I think Colin Sexton um, is just going to add to the offensive and just young potential that all of them have. And I think Robin Lopez is just uh, a veteran big, again, almost kind of like what I said about Aaron Holiday, I think, with the Hawks. Just like if health thing happens down the season, you're going to have Robin Lopez uh liable nothing crazy nothing super exciting um just solid the the Cavs re-signing Ricky Rubio to a three-year 18.4 million dollar deal uh not surprising as you said great backup point guard uh to Colin not Colin Sexton Darius Garland and I think him coming back from his torn ACL I think he's going to have the hunger to sort of be a, a huge catalyst to where this team wants to go uh, I do think Colin Sexton I heard that if Colin Sexton wasn't going to get re-signed by the Cavs then he was probably going to go to Dallas that's what I heard but um, if they do decide to bring Colin Sexton back as you said that he's going to be a valuable asset on the offensive end and I think he's hungry to prove himself that he's worthy of a at least 80 million dollar contract uh obviously there's the injury concerns but if he shows out and plays well in the next season he'll get his money and as you said Robin Lopez similar to the Aaron Holiday situation is just a backup big and in case someone goes down maybe Mobley or Jared Allen goes down uh, I honestly don't remember who their backup is off the top of my head. But if one of the bigs goes down, you have Robin Lopez that can give you some solid minutes off the bench if need be. I think Kevin Love's still on contract. I mm-hmm. think Moses Brown might be on contract or mm-hmm. a restricted free agent or something. But, yeah, me and George both high on Colin Sexton. I think he's uh, one of the reasons we maybe wanted to start a podcast in the first place, watching his highlight in high school. Um, so shout out to Young Bull. Sir, uh, I guess we'll move on to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, obviously, they acquired Christian Wood via trade. That was the the Bojan, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke trade that happened in the draft. And then, or before the draft, should I say, and then they signed JaVale McGee to a three-year, $20 million deal. And they re-signed Theo Pinson on a one-year deal. Yeah, I don't think we talked about it yet, or at least I didn't. Uh, Christian Wood, I think, um, I think, yeah, Dallas was just trying to bring in uh, just another piece alongside Luka. And Christian Wood is kind of uh, in the – I don't, I don't want to say prototypical because that, that'll make it sound wrong, but prototypical for Luca, to put it in that sense, that he's kind of the big you want next to Luka Doncic. Um, I think he's hasn't really had a chance to show that he can contribute to winning, just playing on some pretty bad teams with Detroit and uh, Houston. 
So I think this is going to be a good change of scenery for him. And I'm excited to see if they can get it together and giving Luca someone that he could rely on uh, offensively and be solid on the defensive end. I love JaVale McGee, uh, the energy he brings, rim runner, shot blocker, just the ultimate vet, I feel. Uh, NBA champion JaVale McGee. So uh, I think Dallas is going to love him. And Theo Pinson, George, on to you. <laughs> I mean, Theo Pinson was good on the bench last last year and in the playoffs for uh, causing bad passes because he was wearing the same te- same color as the other teams as the other team. But uh, Christian Wood uh, acquired via trade. They didn't have to give up pretty much any. They didn't have to give up anything other than Bobby, which I'm I'm gonna miss him on the Mavs. Uh, but Christian Wood. I think he fits what they what the Mavs are trying to do. He can play the four and he can play the five. Uh, great pick and pop player with Luca. I mean, now that I mean, we'll get into this later. Jalen Brunson is gone. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who else the Mavericks pick up because the only ball handler on their team right now is technically Luca. Um, and moving on to the. JaVel McGee deal I think him coming in as a backup center is going to be very vital I mean if you're going to play a Christian Wood Dwight Powell 4-5 to start JaVel McGee can at least be that center position uh that backup center and maybe if you want you could go big and play Christian Wood and JaVel McGee in backup minutes and I think those two moves, we'll see what else moves, what other moves they make because they're going to need another ball handler. And I'm just going to say that maybe, as I said, in with the Cavs, if they don't resign Colin Sexton, then Colin Sexton is mo- rumored to go to Dallas. And I think if he goes to Dallas, Dallas can still be a great team. I don't know what would what their ceiling will be because Colin Sexton and Jalen Brunson are kind of the same player, but Colin Sexton coming off of a torn meniscus, I think coming off a torn meniscus is going to be interesting to watch. But as I said, if he can prove himself and and ball out next season, he'll he'll be fine. It'll be a great replacement player for Jalen Brunson. Hey, no disrespect to Theo Pinson when I said that. It's just we got. Some- Bad blood. They beat my Bulldogs in, in 2017, so had to give them a little something. But uh, yeah, I, now that you bring it up, I, I want to ask what you think about Spencer Dinwiddie on this Mavericks team, uh, given that they lost Brunson and, you know, context and who knows where he's, but just Spencer Dinwiddie on this team, maybe as a backup uh, point guard, back to his point guard position. Uh, with the Mavs good thing you brought up Spencer Dinwiddie because that's the the only other ball handler they have and I forgot and I'm I'm sorry I forgot about that because he played in Washington while I was there uh, before he got moved but I think that Spencer Dinwiddie he can he can play either the one or two like as I said if they bring in Colin Sexton to remember Tim Hardaway Jr. also was injured for a majority of the back half well basically to the end of their season uh, I think after the all-star break. So they'll have Tim Hardaway Jr. back. I can see a lineups of Luca, Timmy, 
Dorian Finney-Smith. I think they still have Reggie Bullock. So uh, Reggie Bullock will probably play the three. Dorian Finney-Smith will play the four. And then maybe you have Christian Wood play the five if you want to go small. And then uh, if they bring in Colin Sexton, you can play either Spencer Dinwiddie or Colin Sexton at the one or the two. Preferably Colin Sexton at the one because he's this smaller guard. Uh, but Spencer Dinwiddie, I mean, if he plays the one or the two, he can still play make, has good ball handling skills and can shoot the three as we saw in that Phoenix series. So uh, either either one, either position, whether he's the one or the two, he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can move on to the Denver Nuggets, who had a, who have had a a crazy free agency, which is very unexpected. They traded Mar- Monte Morris and Will Barton to the Washington Wizards for Contavious Caldwell Pope and Is Smith, and moving on to the the guy who is now the the richest man in NBA history. Let's just say he has the richest contract. To the back-to-back MVP, Nikola Jokic, signed a five-year, $264 million extension. As I mentioned, he's the richest, he has the richest deal in NBA history, which, I mean, it always, it's always a different person every, what, two to three years. So his now, his total, the total value of his contract is six years, $303 million, which, as I posted on my Instagram story, not bad for a guy who was drafted as a forty, as the forty-first overall pick, second-round pick, obviously, uh, they also signed Bruce Brown, which happened today, July first, to a two-year, thirteen million dollar deal. They signed DeAndre Jordan, I think, yesterday. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure it's a vet minimum, if anything. And they signed Devon Reed to a two-year deal. I think it's. Pretty- pretty crazy that the richest deal in NBA history was given to a non-athletic center international player drafted in the second round during a Taco Bell commercial. Um, But I think Nikola Jokic is the perfect person to give it to. I think he's going to be the prototype, using this word again, prototype for the NBA in terms of what bigs are going to look like what they can do and what they should do and just pushing the NBA to breed not I don't want to say that but just the game of basketball to have way more skilled players so that's crazy but um to the to the KCP trade uh I like it for Denver I like it a lot um I like it for both teams actually now that I that I think about it intently uh KCP for the Nuggets I think the Nuggets I said this during the May draft that wing depth is something that they needed to address kind of similar to maybe the Chicago Bulls I think that they are pretty deep on guards uh not really on wings or or back of bigs um but I think KCP is gonna uh, slide in the three and D rule I think uh next to Jokic almost LeBron in terms of playmaking and attracting the amount of defense that he brings when they're on the offensive side of the ball and KCP is going to knock down shooter for you uh kind of do it all type of guy and for the wizard oh I guess I, I'll talk about the wizards later but I saw this crazy stat that if Ish Smith plays a single minute for the Nuggets he's going to be uh what's the term for this he's going to have the, the most record. traveled yeah he's going to play for the he has the record for most teams played for 
yeah uh in league history which is which is pretty crazy um oh bruce brown almost missed him bruce brown i think is going to be great for the nuggets he had a great run with the brooklyn nets showed the value of guys like him uh guys that maybe aren't the greatest of shooters but they can do anything else a glue guy does all the dirty work for you and i think that the nuggets can definitely use a guy like him and i think that Bruce Brown is the type of guy that is going to contribute uh, winning, especially next to the two-time MVP. Yes, sir. I, w- I agree with you on pretty much everything you said, starting off with the KCP Smith trade. KCP, they needed a, uh, at least a, a two to a, a shooting guard or small forward. They got that in KCP. He played well in Washington. I, I, I was there. I went to a lot of Wizards games. He was solid. And I think that he's going to fit right with Denver. He played with LeBron in 2020 and 2019 and yeah, and 2021. Uh, he played with LeBron. So Jokic is not even, we'll say they're the same. I don't want to say he's, he's better than LeBron, but they're, they're, they play, they have the same play style. And then is Smith, as a backup guard, I mean, that was just guard for guard. Is Smith, Monte Morris, you just, it's a straight swap. Uh, moving on to Nikola Jokic getting his, his super max extension. Uh, I'm happy for him. I've said it since the beginning that he was going to, or since the time that he was going to be good, that he was going to be a, a top player in the league. Maybe being drafted 41st overall uh people it was unexpected but once you saw the glimpses and the flashes you knew he was going to be something special so I'm happy for him uh I think he's going to push basketball into this new wave of European talent more European talent or overseas talent coming to the NBA and being really good I mean, we're already seeing it with next year's probably first overall pick, Victor Wimbanyama. Um, but I think him getting his extension uh, is great for the league because he is a – he can be a – if the Nuggets are good, he can be a great marketer for the league in a, in a way that sort of Giannis is in a way. And Bruce Brown, sneaky pickup for the, for the Nuggets – I honestly thought he would might go back to Brooklyn, but I think with the whole Katie and Kyrie situation, he wants to be on a winning team. The Nuggets are that, especially when they're healthy, which they probably, which they will be if uh, when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. come back. And as you said, glue guy does all the dirty work, can play one through four, even at six, five, which is very, what's the word? Very balanced for lack of a better term uh in case the nuggets want to go small and i mean deandre jordan davon the deandre jordan davon reed signings are i mean devon reed is coming back for a two-year deal and then deandre jordan is just there to i think play center backup center minutes so we'll see how that goes brown just thinking about his fit on the nuggets i almost kind of reminds me of how jeremy grant was um, on a team, maybe Bruce Brown's more defensive-minded, but I think the do-it-all type of guy on the floor for the Nuggets, I think it's going to remind – it does remind me of Jeremy Grant, but excited to see what it's going to do this year. High hopes. Yes.
Uh, I guess we can move on to the Detroit Pistons. They re-signed Marvin Bagley to a three-year, $37 million deal, and they signed Kevin Knox to a two-year, $6 million deal. I think George knows how high I was on Marvin Bagley, um, and I still think that he has a future in the NBA. I think, uh, I think his dad is on LeVar Ball level. People just don't acknowledge that when dad talks and wanted him out of the Kings and everything, but I do think that Marvin Bagley, um, when he got traded to the Pistons, I loved it. I love that he had like a fresh start with um, a younger team where they could all develop together. And I think that Detroit needed a big, a more modern-ish big, I guess you could say, just not in the shooting sense, but in the lob threat rim protector sense. And I think Marvin Bagley can do that. I think this contract... Mm, Kind of was a little high for the production he gave last year, but given his age and uh, Detroit kind of wants to develop him more and everything. And just, I mean, I feel like every year we always say guys are getting overpaid, but everyone is getting paid way more. Jokic is getting paid $300 million that we just talked about. So getting paid, what is this, like 12, give or take $12 million a year for Marvin Bagley maybe doesn't seem that bad if a dude getting paid $300 million. But uh, I, I like this move for the Pistons. I, I knew that he was going to be a long-term uh, re-signing once they traded Jeremy Grant and didn't really go after a big in the four spot um, during the draft. And Kevin Knox, uh, I don't even know what to think of this. I think that Detroit is just taking a gamble on everyone they can get uh, in hopes that one one lands for them. But Kevin Knox, the the man that wore a Fortnite suit on probably the biggest night of his life, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I don't really know how he's going to develop in Detroit. I'm not really super high anymore. Uh, honestly, I never was in the draft. I'm just going on a, a – George – Cut me off, please. <laughs> uh, Marvin Bagley getting a three-year, $37 million deal. As I say, sort of an overpay, but overpays are here to stay in the league. I do think that the the Detroit Pistons are taking a gamble because he's too – he's too – he doesn't have the – he can't stretch the floor as a four, but then I don't think he's the greatest defender as a five. So it's like – I guess the, the Pistons are going to see where he fits best. And I, they also just draft, they, they, well, they traded for Jalen Duran. They have Isaiah Stewart. And I feel like I'm missing another center that they have. Kelly but, Olenek. Okay. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like there was another one. <laughs> so they have like three, four centers that like, so I don't know where Marvin Bagley fits into this, but I guess they're going to see for themselves to see where what he can do offensively and defensively. And then, I mean, Kevin Knox, like, man's been on, what is this, his fourth team, if not third? So yeah. it, it's just he, he didn't pan out. He didn't pan out to the potential that everyone thought he could. But um, as – you as Carlos mentioned, I think this is just a trial run to see what what he can do because I feel like he's sort of on a different he's on a different timeline than what the Pistons I think are trying to build towards. 
you know what before this we did forget to add this on the pistons they did make the trade for alec burks mm-hmm. and nerland's noel uh which i think are good moves for them bringing in a, a vet in alec burks and another big maybe that's the big you're thinking of uh nerland's noel that they not that that they now have but i think those are two guys that are gonna help this young team um develop i don't know i just really like the trade for the pistons honestly at the pistons might have one of i don't want to say best but one of the better um off season so far in free agency signings in the draft uh i think the pistons are definitely moving in the right direction Yes, I mean, I think they can make a good uh, a good leap from where they were last year. Uh, maybe a play-in team, but they, they will for sure compete. I, I, I do believe that. Uh, I guess we can move on to the Golden State Warriors, which, I mean, they haven't had a eventful offseason or free agency. They re-signed Kevon Looney today during the during while we're recording this to a three-year, $25.5 million deal. Uh, I mean, there's really nothing much to say. These are they are the defending champs. They're just trying to retain the pieces to make another run. Uh, JP Gary Payton the second he went to uh, Portland, so that's going to be a piece we talk about later and how he fits with them. But uh, he's going to be he's going to be very missed. But Kevon Looney, I think, is a is a great retaining piece for for them, especially if James Wiseman. Uh, figures out his health situation and is able to stay on the court. Yeah, I think the Golden State Warriors have had an eventful offseason in the sense that they didn't bring back everyone um, from their championship roster. But I believe that that was a problem that they knew they were going to run into just because they didn't have the cap space to give all their guys contracts. They lost uh, Gary Payton, like George brought up. They lost Otto Porter. The two guys that played heavy minutes in the playoffs on their championship run, but I think they knew that they were going to lose those guys. But signing Kevon Looney, you know, like of the three role players, unless I'm forgetting one, three role players uh, that helped you bring a championship run, you're getting back one of them. And you, I would think that Gary Payton, um, Gary Payton, and Otto Porter's production can be replaced. Um, maybe by the young guys, maybe Kuminga steps into more of a, a scoring role, uh, just a bigger role for the team than he did. Um, maybe Moses Moody does that kind of on the defensive end that I'm not – I think Gary Payton is a tremendous defender. I don't know if Moses Moody is going to be that right away, but I just think that their their contributions can be replaced. But I think Kevon Looney is a good signing for them, just a solid big uh, that I think they – can't really replace because your replacement in the big department is James Wise, who is still, I think, the biggest question mark on that team. So I think Kevon Looney was the right move. Um, and I feel like he's the youngest of the three. Yeah. Right? Between yeah. Otto Porter and Gary Payton. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like this move for the Warriors. Uh, it hurts that they lost the guys that they – obviously didn't want to lose on them a championship, but retaining Kevon Looney, I think is, is big time for the Warriors. Also to piggyback off of that. Uh, I think that 
them losing Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton Jr., as you say, guys that can be replaced. Um, Kuminga, I think, is poised to step into a, a, a big role off the bench, off the bench Moody as well. But I think one guy that I can see contributing to this team off the bench is uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., their draft pick. I feel that the Warriors have one of the best developmental staffs in the in the NBA, and I feel that he's going to be a, a valuable asset to what the Warriors do this season. And uh, I'm excited for what the Warriors are going to bring next season as the defending champs. Obviously, our team is ready to compete against them when we're healthy. But uh, I guess we can move on to the Houston Rockets because – the Warriors only did only signed Kevon Looney. So uh, moving on to the Rockets, they re-signed Jay Sean Tate to a three-year $22.1 million deal. Uh, I'll give my thoughts on this first. I think Jay Sean Tate is a valuable role player in what the Houston Rockets want to do in the future. He can play defense. He, even though he's undersized as a three or four, he, he plays with heart and hustle and he, Defends really well. Uh, I think he improved his three-point shooting, and I think he can be a solid role-player piece for what the Rockets are trying to do. Obviously, you have your main player pieces in Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., uh, KPJ. I'm going to mention him, but I don't know if the Rockets are fully sold on him being the the point guard. But you have those three pieces, and now it's just trying to fit role-players around them. For sure. I think the Houston Rockets believe that they found a diamond in the rough. I believe he was undrafted um, out of where Ohio State, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, uh, yeah, to your point that they're trying to find guys that uh, like the surrounding guys. And I think she's from Rockets in their rebuild. Um, just outside of their draft, they're trying to find guys to fit them. And with this contract, they believe that Jay Shantae can fit them and be good for this team for a long time and i do i like the way the houston rockets are going um jalen green barry smith i think they had three great draft picks uh jabari they got ty ty washington tari eason uh our guy josh christopher um over there too so i think that jay sean take can fit nicely i don't even know where they're at with kenya martin jr but i think signing Jay Sean to a three-year I don't I was gonna say long term I don't know if three is long term but maybe in the sense that you were undrafted playing for the Houston that's long term um good for him uh and good for the Rockets I think um moving on to the Pacers didn't really make a lot of free agency noise just the big trade that we talked about earlier with Matt Brogdon they acquired Aaron Neesmith Daniel Tice Nick Kiss Malik Fitz Juwan Morgan and a 2023 first round pick um, we talked about this trade earlier, but uh, what are your thoughts for the Indiana Pacers on the flip side? I mean, they're trying to, they're moving into a sort of rebuilding direction, something that they said in the past that they kind of didn't want to do, which, I mean, there always comes a point in time where you got to start over and figure out what you're going to do for the future. Uh, I think the only pieces I see staying from this trade, like sort of long-term, Aaron Neesmith has a little bit of value just from what he showed in the playoffs. Uh, he, If he can improve his three-point shooting, he's a great, he's a 
better than average defender. I won't say decent, but better than average. Uh, if he can just improve his three-point shooting, I think he he can stay on the Indiana Pacers. He'll be a stay. Uh, Daniel Tice, I see moving on. Uh, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitch, Juwan Morgan, I I don't know what happens with them. But uh, maybe Nick Stauskas stays because he can shoot the ball, but I don't know what happens with them. But, you know, the main thing they wanted from this trade was a, a pick. Uh, we don't know if it's unprotected or whatever it is, but I mean, they'll take all the draft picks they can get. No, for sure. And I, I like the move that the Pacers are doing. It's it's not like they're going full rebuild because I do think they still have good pieces now and for the future. I think uh, I was telling George this earlier that I really like this Brogdon trade just because my guy, Andrew Nevhart, is that just means for him. And I think that he's going to prove that he should have been a first round pick. Um, but that's a whole day. I can go on about that. But I do like the way the Indiana Pacers are going. I think they have great pieces to build around Tyrese, um, Ben Matherin, Kendall Brown. Uh, you still have Miles Turner there. You have Chris Duarte there. Uh, you have Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith. I think they got a bunch of solid pieces to build uh, for the future. And I'm excited to see. I think they might have like a sleeper good season. Uh, this year almost play in type of year for them but going on to the team that we both want to talk about uh, our Los Angeles Clippers uh, they had a pretty good offseason so far uh, to say the least but we'll get into it they re-signed their coffee to a three-year 11 million dollar deal they re-signed Nick Batum two years 22 mil and uh, the John Hall signing was official two years 13 million dollars Woo-woo. All right, so we I had a feeling Amir Coffee and Nick Batum were resigning. The Amir Coffee deal is a sleeper because I think he he could be worth more than 11 million, but I think he he wants to win a championship and be a vital part to it. Uh Nick Batum there was always he he said it himself he wanted to resign and basically retire as a clipper. But uh the main the main attraction we want to talk about here Johnny Wall. Uh, I think that he, I kind of knew after this season, he didn't want to stay in Houston for uh, another season where he's just going to be basically practicing quote unquote to, uh, to, to wait it out. And I feel that John Wall is a great piece to this team addition. I think he'll start and Reggie Jackson will move to a six man type of role with, uh, with, Norman Powell as his back backcourt mate but John Wall I mean what else can you say from him maybe he's not the same player he was before his two injury season ending injuries back in 2018 and 2019 but I do think that he is going to be one a ball handler that we've always needed uh I I'm I'm hoping and I'm, I'm praying that Zubak averages like 12 points. I think he averaged 10 points last year, but 12, point, 12 to 14 points. Because, I mean, John Wall is going to spoon feed him like he did Gortat back in Washington. And uh, I think this is just a great signing. I'm sad that we lost Isaiah Hartenstein because he was a great backup big. But uh, backup bigs, I think, can be replaced in my, in my instance. Uh, but I'm excited to see where our team goes. 
I mean, George is not ever since John Wall got traded to Houston, have been pushing for this man to be bought out and for the Clippers to sign him. And this is like a, I don't want to say a dream come true. I don't know if a dream we're going to for, but I'm very happy that they signed John Wall. Like what George was saying, Zubak is, he's going to have a table setter uh, for him to put up some bigger numbers. Uh, Nick Batum, I love the signing when he first got to the Clippers and he, he knows his role, plays it super well. Um, Nick Batum is a super valuable piece for the Clippers. Um, Amir Kafi is too. I think that he, I think that he could be worth more, um, but he's been sleeping on a deep Clippers team um, that kind of hides him from his true value, I think. Uh, losing Isaiah Harnstein, yeah, does hurt because I think we had something good there. But I honestly think given the way the Clippers have played in the playoffs and everything, that Zubak has always been the only big we've played. And then I think in clutch time and when it comes down to we play small either way. Like Batum is running our five. Uh, in I mean, you've seen it against the Jazz. Uh, I feel like every playoff series you've seen us go small and it be effective just because everyone plays, knows the role and plays it very well. And I think just adding a piece of John Wall without losing any depth, I think the, the Clippers, I think what their third favorites, their third favorites right now. Yeah under the Warriors and the Celtics. And I think rightfully, I think the Clippers might be the deepest team in the league. And the only thing, the issue that I see with us is health. It's going to come down to if we can stay healthy. I mean, Paul George, Kawhi, John Wall all have injury history. Um, I think the depth that we were able to keep this offseason, given that they don't make any other trades or moves to give up some guys, I think it's going to help or kind of mask that everyone is so injury prone uh, on this team. And I think it's going to keep us in contention, but uh, I think, man, I, I really like the Clippers off season uh, so far. I'm high on my own team. I think I always say that every year and every year, the same thing happens. That's why people make fun of Clippers fans, but I like it. Moving on to the Lakers. They signed Damian Jones to a two-year deal. They signed Lonnie Walker the fourth to a, a one-year, six-and-a-half million-dollar deal. They signed Troy Brown Jr. to a minimum deal. They signed Juan Toscano Anderson to a minimum deal, and they and Russell Westbrook opted into his player option of forty-seven point one million. Uh, can I go first on this? Uh, of course. For 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 a team and fan base, and I and I and I'm saying this. It's nicely because I don't want any hate, but uh, if it, if it comes my way, so be it. For a team that had aspirations of getting Buddy Hield, Kobe White, who else were they in the running for? Uh, Buddy Hield, Kobe White, Demar? Cam- huh? Demar? Were they in the running for Demar? No, not Demar. It was like a it was, it was a bunch of like role players. I mean, they're still in the running for Kyrie, which is I don't even think is going to happen. Um. For a team that was in the running for all those guys, for them to walk out with Damian Jones, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, Troy Brown Jr., and Juan Toscano Anderson, I mean, it's a big letdown in my opinion. The fact that Malik Monk was even talking about, yeah, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay, I'm going to take less money to stay in L.A., and then he ends up bolting for Sacramento just lets you know where this franchise is at the moment. The fact that they have 
three players making upwards of 38 million plus. Uh, I mean, Braun obviously is thinking about whether he'll stay or whether he'll go. And I mean, this season I think is very important for the Lakers with this roster. I don't think they're they're going to be a play. They'll be a playoff. They'll be a play-in team. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. This roster just isn't good enough uh, to contend with all of the heavy hitters that are now in the Western Conference. Uh, I think I mentioned it on my on my Instagram story. The the teams they they now have to contend with when healthy are the the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Portland not Portland Trailblazers, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, the Dallas Mavericks, the Phoenix Suns are still up there. Whether or not they get KD, you also have the Memphis Grizzlies. I feel like I'm missing another team that that. I feel like I'm missing another team. That was seven. You're miss. I'm missing the. However, I I I'm I'm named off like ten teams that the Lakers are going to have to contend with, at just for a playoff spot. And I feel like this roster that they assembled, I don't think is good enough. While I do think Lonnie Walker, the force has a has the potential to be the Malik Monk replacement. He can shoot the ball and he's a great slasher. Uh, I don't think that guys like Troy Brown Jr., Damian Jones, and Juan Toscano Anderson are going to, are the pieces they need to be great in a sense. I mean, their starting lineup probably is going to be like LeBron, Russ, AD. Uh, maybe you have Stanley Johnson in there for, for defensive purposes. And maybe Lonnie Walker the fourth starts, but I, I just don't see this roster going anywhere. Hold on. Um breaking news in the NBA right now. We got a Woj bomb. Utah is trading Rudy Gobert to Minnesota. The Timberwolves are sending League Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, and multiple first round picks for Rudy Gobert. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I uh, at that. Yo, cat at the I, four. I, <laughs> Yo, cat at the four and go bear at the five. It's going to be very interesting. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, this is live reactions. I don't know what to think of this right now. I literally got the notification like right when you started talking about the Lakers. I was like, I'm gonna let this play out because I didn't get any details um, until like 30 seconds when I just said it. Man, uh, what? Do you wanna do you wanna move to the to the Timberwolves right now? Because this is literally other than Kyle Anderson and Cat uh, getting his max extension, this is the biggest news by far. Um, yeah, I don't even know to think. Cat plays. Cat has to play the four. Robert is getting paid close to fifty mil, I think. So he has to play the five. Cat at the four. Uh. I think the Wolves gave up some good depth that they have in Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, but man, I don't know where. I don't know what to think for either team right now. I think I need some time to think about this. But do, man, what what just happened? I think, as you said, the 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 depth is going to be not depleted, but somewhat gone in a way 
I mean, I think Patrick Beverly will somehow find his way back to Minnesota, <laughs> whether oh, it be a buyout, because I know he is not playing in Utah. No offense to Utah fans, but he's not playing for you. Um, I do think that Jared Vanderbilt being gone is going to be very interesting, but I think that just means that they're putting their faith in Jaden McDaniels. Jaden? I, I'm, I'm, I think it's Jaden. I always get it's- them mixed up. I think it's Jaden. Um, yeah, Jaden McDaniels. I just looked it up. Jaden McDaniels is now going to have the ability to blossom and become a two-way, a good two-way player. And I do think that it's going to be vital for him to improve because now they're really putting their faith in basically D'Angelo Russell, Cat. Anthony Edwards and now Rudy Gobert and this is a huge move just in terms of the Western Conference now because you can make the argument that in a sense Minnesota somewhat has a big four Anthony Edwards is still on his rookie deal which is very good which is very important for them Cat just signed his uh, max extension Rudy Gobert is obviously making like upwards of 30 40 million dollars which as i said is an over as i always say is an overpay for a guy who just run who just dunks and blocks the ball but whatever and then you have d'angelo russell on the last year of his deal i don't know if they're trying to move d'angelo russell now but um i think that if d'lo stays this team is a, a very interesting team to talk uh to to look out for in the western conference they we can just talk about them now. Uh, they signed to Kyle Anderson to a two-year, $18 million deal, which is very vital to pry him away from Memphis. And I think Kyle Anderson is going to be very vital to what that team does is off the bench. He can score. I wouldn't say score the ball, but he, he he's a glue guy, can do everything, great defender, uh, great facilitator and playmaker slash floor general as well. And he can he's improved as a shooter ever since his time in San Antonio when when he was a rookie. And I think Minnesota is just a team to look out for after this trade. Yeah, I just got uh, another notification. Leandro Leandro Bomaro is also in the deal going to the Jazz. But I think we have missed that. Uh, I believe Torian Prince was re-signed. Yes. Yes. To like a two-year deal yes two years 16 i think if i remember correctly but yeah just me thinking about the the roster now i mean george pretty much had their starting lineup d'lo and uh whoever starts at the three for them now if it's uh mcdaniel's if it's torian prince if it's kyle anderson one of those three is start other two off the bench with cat and gobert uh, you still have Nas Reed off the bench. Um, who else is – am I missing anyone off the bench for him? Uh, Jordan McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, Jordan McLaughlin, if he's if he slides into the, the backup point role, like a legitimate backup point role this year, not splitting time with anyone. Um, man, I, I, I knew the Timberwolves had assets to get someone. I just never thought it was going to be Rudy Gobert. I can't remember pairing two true centers together. 
I think the last time that happened was we might even have to go back to like the 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 late the late 2000s early 2010s maybe uh a Paul Gasol Dwight yeah that is true I mean hey had I don't even want to know if I don't even know if success or not we'll just Paul Gasol moving to the four when I believe he's probably a true five uh just when he went to the Lakers and they had some pretty good success, I would say. Uh, this is going to be so interesting to watch. I definitely think that this makes the Timberwolves better. Um, going to the Jazz, I wonder what's going to happen with Donovan Mitchell now. We haven't really got to the Knicks yet, but George, maybe this agenda of yours gets pushed further. Uh I didn't think that it was after the Jalen Brunson signing, but at this point, you never know. I never would have thought that Gobert would go to the Timberwolves with Cat. I thought it, you know, it almost be a swap or whatever. But that might be the biggest news this offseason, huh? Yeah, outside and of this KD trade, trade. <laughs> yeah, KD possible trade that hasn't even happened. This is this is crazy. I just I, I'm like this now. I don't. I definitely think that the Timberwolves are going to be better. The Chiefs obviously are going to be not as good uh, without Gobert. I think defensively, the Timberwolves definitely need a lot of help. And you're getting, what, two-time, two-time? Three-time, three-time. Three-time defensive player of the year. That always helps. And you didn't lose your big three pieces that you had already. Uh, We could see if D'Angelo Russell gets traded, but I don't think that'd be the case now forming the big, uh, a big four, what you call it, um, that George said earlier, but if anything else breaks news, I'll bring it up, but this is crazy. I just want to give a, give props to, to Tim Connolly. I mean, he took the deal to go to the Timberwolves, they added more incentive. I think they gave him like ownership and they uh, gave him more money than I think the Nuggets were offering. He takes it this pa- this offseason and literally makes arguably the biggest trade so far and possibly the biggest trade of this free agency season. Uh, like, I'm just shocked. Like, th- Minnesota literally is a possible title contender at this point. Like, they have the they have the experience of being in the playoffs of being in the mode of playoff basketball they in my opinion going back to when we first started this podcast they should have beat memphis but inexperience took over and uh, but after this pat after the playoff run they had and making this trade i think they are in the possibility of being a top four team in the western conference and a top 10 team in the league in general the minnesota timberwolves are officially here (laughs) and that's crazy to say that is so crazy uh you want to you want to get back to memphis (laughs) or or do you want to talk about the lakers because i don't think laker fans would want to hear me talk about the lakers so i'll go with the grizzlies um the grizzlies they gave john morant the extension in five years 193 i'm gonna round up to 200 but i think that's like a a threshold that i can definitely still say 193 
Uh, they re-signed Tyus Jones, two years, 30 mil. And then uh, off topic of free agency, just basketball news in general, Jaron Jackson uh, surgery for a stress fracture in his foot. He's going to be out for four to six months, um, which is a big hit for the Grizzlies. But I think that re-signing Jaw, it's nothing new. Jaw was probably going to be in Memphis for a long time. Uh, I think one nine five years one ninety three uh, could be a steal for the Grizzlies contract wise. Just seeing all the other young stars in the NBA getting two hundred or upwards of two hundred million dollars. Um, I know it's pretty damn close to two hundred million dollars, but five years one ninety three I think might be a steal for Ja. Uh, when you look at maybe like five years from now. Uh, re-signing Tyus Jones, I think, is big time for them. Tyus Jones had, what, the best assist-to-turnover ratio, probably the premier backup point guards in the league, and bringing him back, I think, is big time for them. Just like when John Morant went out, Tyus Jones held it down pretty well, and the Grizzlies did not uh, lose a beat uh, when John went out. Um, so I think he's definitely – the Grizzlies – are going to be back to, I don't know about two seed, but they're going to be back in the playoffs for sure next year. I agree. I mean, the job Morant signing, re-signing isn't, or max extension isn't surprising after the year he had uh, led them to the second round of the playoffs career year, 20, 26 or 27 points per game. Uh, I think he had like eight, seven or eight assists. And I mean, he's just the the energy guy for this team. When he goes, the the team goes. And as for Tyus Jones, uh, as you mentioned, one of the best backup point guards in the league, had the the greatest turn assist to turnover ratio in NBA history. And as I mentioned in our NBA draft episode, them getting rid of them them trading DeAnthony Melton to the Philadelphia Sixers was pot was the oh, door opening for Tyus Jones to re-sign he gets a uh, 15 million dollars for for two years basically uh obviously 30 million dollars in total but 15 million for for the next two years isn't bad but uh Jaron Jackson Jr. having surgery uh for a stress fracture in his foot he's going to be out until possibly I mean if it heals fast he'll probably make October, November, but he's at least going to be out until December, if not January, which is going to be interesting. But uh, I actually saw a trade where they are in the running to, well, sneakily in the running to possibly trade for KD and not give up as much. Uh, I think the trade that I saw on Bleach Report was like Zaire Williams, Zaire Williams. I can't remember if Desmond Bain was in the trade, but I don't think so. The oh, it was Zaire Williams and Jaron Jackson Jr. for and like I think three first round picks and three pick swaps for KD. Uh, honestly, from the Brooklyn Nets, I say no, but that's beyond me. I <laughs> yeah the the Danny Green. Is there any talks about him getting like bought out or anything? Wait. No. Uh, can I make a statement? Yeah. Uh, Nemanja Belitsa informs Warriors that he is leaving NBA to return to Turkey. I had a feeling. I weirdly had a feeling that that was going to happen. It's always around this age. He got his, his championship and he's getting out. I mean, Nikola Mertic has had a tremendous career 
um, for Barca. So <laughs> Nemanja Bielica was already, people don't know this. I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't know this, but he was, he's goaded uh, in Europe, in Euro <laughs> League basketball. So going back, I don't, I knew it was always going to happen for him, but back to back to the Grizzlies. Uh, it I think it hurt that they lost Kyle Anderson to the previously mentioned Minnesota Timberwolves, but I think that he could be replaced in the development of Harry Williams. Uh, they loaded up on the the four four spot, like in the Kyle Anderson position. I don't even know what position to call that. I don't. It's positionless, really, but they kind of loaded up on that with Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, although we both said that we don't really like their draft. Maybe they could uh, contribute a little bit in the absence of Kyle Anderson, and Danny Green kind of will bring something to that too, filling in the role that Kyle Anderson left. Um, But the Grizzlies, I think – Having one of the quieter off seasons, I think, is is good for them. That honestly, I think that they should just run it back. And everything, you know, I think they'll have success just running it back, not making any changes, uh, just building experience and and getting more time games together under your belt. I think. It's good. But on to the Miami Heat. Uh, they resigned. Victor Oladipo to one year, 11 million. And they also re-signed Dwayne Edmond, two years, 9 million. Um, I think signing VO is a good move for the Miami Heat. I think that uh, he didn't get like a ton of run this year. I think he definitely contributed um, for the Heat. And I think a one-year deal is benefits both teams that you don't really sign VO to a long-term contract just in case whatever happens and VO has that one year to, I guess, prove himself uh, in a way that I'm pretty sure we all know that VO wants to prove himself and he's hungry for that. Uh, but I think Victor Oladipo and the Miami Heat are, it's, I like the fit. And Dwayne Dedman had an extremely solid year uh, for the Miami Heat playing in the back big role. Um, and two years, nine million, I think is a great contract for what he has and what he just fitting into the heat culture the way that he did um, in his time there. Uh, I know that these signings may not be super significant in the talks of Kevin Durant with the heat being one of his top two teams that he wants to go to. Um, but yeah, talk, talk to me, George, about the, the Miami Heat maybe in the KD sweepstakes. Um, if it doesn't happen that you said that you don't think it's likely, where do they go next? Uh, personally, I don't think they're in the running for the KD sweepstakes. I just don't think it happens because they can't trade for Bam out of bio. And I think Tyler Hero, I don't know if he signed his extension yet, but if he, if he does sign an extension and it's a max deal, then he can't get traded either. So then literally you can't trade the Miami heat trade is basically done there. Cause they're not trying to trade Jimmy Butler. Um, going to the Victor Oladipo signings. I think Victor Oladipo can have a great season for them, at least upcoming season. Uh, he missed, I think all the way up until like March, he came back. So I think, getting a full year under him without any injury 
is going to be interesting to see because I still think he can be at least a 15-point-per-game score, maybe get you five to six assists. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see him in a full season as opposed to just a two-month – a month-and-a-half to two-month uh, season and then head into the playoffs. Uh, as for Dwayne Dedman, just uh, another re-signing to just sure up the backup big man spot since Bam is basically their center for the future. So uh, it looks like if they're not going to make the KD sign and they're just going to run it back. And I mean, we all saw what this team did making it to the Eastern Conference Finals in a game seven in which they almost surprisingly came back in the last three minutes. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do for the rest of this free agency offseason and uh, heading into the regular season. Little news, um, Ronaldo just signed with the Cavs. Uh, didn't see what contract, what Ooh. exactly the contract was. Raul Neto. Oh, he left. Uh, he left Washington. Yeah, he left Washington. And uh, just a little more details on the Rudy Gobert trade. Minnesota sent 2023, 2025, 2027. So three first round picks, unprotected, um, and a top five protected 2029 pick. Uh, so Utah got all those four picks. And I think that that is crazy that they're able to get unprotected picks like that. I think they got a massive haul for Rudy Gobert. Yes. Uh, there was one more pick. Yeah, it's a top five protected in 29. And a top protected pick, honestly, is still not even bad. Crazy haul for Rudy Gobert. People question his value, but this trade kind of shows his value. <laughs> for real. Uh, for real. Uh, you want to move on to the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, we can go to the Bucks. They re-signed pretty much they're running it back. They re-signed Bobby Portis four years, $49 million. They signed Wesley Matthews to a one-year, could be very minimum. Not sure, but I know it's a one-year deal. They re-signed Javon Carter to a two-year deal, and uh, they signed Joe Ingles. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're literally just going to run it back. I think that if Chris Middleton didn't go down with in the playoffs, they could have put up a fight against the Warriors. I do believe if they're healthy, they were going to make it to the finals. Um, and signing Bobby Portis long-term, I think Bobby Portis wants to be in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee wants Bobby Portis. So I think that is a match made in heaven for both those guys. Bobby Portis has been great for the Milwaukee Bucks and what they're doing. Um, he could start for them next year if Brooke Lopez, you know, he's getting up there in age and Bobby Portis is only getting better as fit next to Giannis and this whole team. So I think that this is good. See Matthews, vet shooter, knows his role, um, brings a leadership uh, aspect to the team, Javon Carter. I he just reminds me of Milwaukee, a Milwaukee type of guy that Giannis likes. Defensive can does whatever his team needs him to do to win. And Joe Ingles, his return um, with the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. I like I like that they're running it back, and I also like that Joe Ingles signed with the Bucks. Uh, Bobby, Bobby Portis, the four year, $49 million signing is literally a re-signing is just literally 
saying if you're loyal to the Bucks, they'll be loyal to you. Bobby Portis took a a, a pay cut to to stay there for a season, and he got rewarded with a four year, forty nine million dollar deal. So that just goes to show you the love they have for him and the love he has for the Bucks. Uh, Wesley Matthews, one year deal, probably bet minimum. Just a great. Just has always been a good shooter and a and a decent to better a de- a better than average defender. Uh, Javon Carter, a two year deal. I can see him possibly taking the back court or not the back court, the backup role to uh to Drew Holiday possibly. I don't think I think George Hill is still there for another year, but if not, Javon Carter probably will take up the backup role. And then Joe Ingles is a sneaky pickup. I do want to see how he fares after his torn ACL from this past te- this past season. But uh, I think that can be a sneaky pickup for – I think that's a sneaky pickup for the Bucs in the sense that he's still – he still can defend at a, at a better than average rate, and he can stretch the floor. Definitely. We can go past Minnesota unless – more breaking news, but I think we covered Minnesota, yeah. and I think the Gobert kind of negates all the signings that they, they made or whatever. But to the Pelicans, not much noise. Uh, they re-signed Zion Williamson, the extension, five years, $231 million. Um, talk to me about Zion. I mean, there's really nothing much to talk about because he, he didn't play at all last season, getting ready for this season. I'm just hoping that there's no injury – that the injuries are, are are behind and past so that we can see him play a full a full season of basketball because I do think the Pelicans are a a team to to fear in the Western Conference. Uh they're young. They had the playoff experience going toe to toe with the Phoenix Suns in the first round and I think that Zion Williamson signing this extension, I think he he even though his family has always been in the the news for saying that he wants out of New Orleans, I think he is very committed to New Orleans. Uh, I want to say that he's talked with CJ McCollum and, and Brandon Ingram and all those guys. I think he wants to be there. And now that they have CJ McCollum and they made the playoffs, they have a future and he's ready to be a part of that future, barring any injuries. It's pretty crazy that Zion or his family or whatever is saying that, like, almost like they're demanding changes to win, and the dude has played one season, like, pretty much just one season. Given he was all-star, it's still, like, one season. But, um, yeah, I think signing him long-term is going to be good. I hope he doesn't become a type of player that forces his way out just because it's not a good look. Um, and I think that the Pelicans are a good team already. And with Zion, they're going to be a great team uh, to see him come back. So I, I just want to play, honestly. I just want to see him play. But to the Knicks, they've had a pretty noteworthy, you say that, uh, offseason. They signed Jalen Brunson. Uh, they beat out the Mavericks offer, if they did offer him or not. Yeah, that's here and there. Four years, 104. Um, they signed, they re-signed Mitchell Robinson to four years, 60 mil. They signed Isaiah Hartenstein, two years, 16 mil. And like we talked about earlier, they traded Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, my thoughts, uh, Jalen Brunson was rumored to go there ever since like 
before the Mavericks season was over because and then it started ramping up when the Knicks signed his dad Rick Brunson to an assistant coaching job so he was always rumored to go there uh I think him and RJ Barrett with RJ Barrett's development I think they can be a great one-two punch possibly maybe not one-two punch but they'll be t- great together I mean if they if the Knicks get an, a star player whether it be Donovan Mitchell or a player in next season's free agency class uh, I think they can be good the Mitchell Robinson re-signing I mean I'm a I'm a shout out Pierre from from through the wire he said Mitchell Robinson was re-signing on their on their episode yesterday on Bleacher Report uh, he even <laughs> so he was right four years 60 million dollars as if Mitchell Robinson can stay healthy I think he is a valuable piece at the center position to what the the Knicks want to do and I think them signing Isaiah Hartenstein in a surprising move because Isaiah Hartenstein was Hartenstein was valued by many teams we want uh, the Clippers wanted him back but we didn't have the money so the, them re, them signing Hartenstein uh, to replace Nerlens Noel off the bench is a is a sneaky good move. No, I, I agree. I think uh, the Isaiah Hartenstein thing is good. I just hope that um, he gets to play under Tibbs, like he gets a good run uh, in the rotation. Mitchell Robinson, I think that I think them not going after Jalen Duran or the moves they made during the draft kind of hinted at like we're signing Mitchell Robinson. And again, it's been that Jalen Brunson was going to the Knicks, signed his dad, all the connections there, the Knicks freed up cap space to give him this contract. Uh, although the Mavericks, um, you know, they said they wanted him and, you know, all the reports that they offered him and not, but either way, we all knew that Jalen Brunson was going to the Knicks I think it's an overpay for him, maybe a little bit. Uh, I don't think Jalen Brunson – I feel like that's a contract you give to a 25-point-per-game score. I don't know if Jalen Brunson is going to – I think he's going to be solid for um, the New York Knicks and kind of handling the point guard duties very well. Uh, like get the job done type of thing. He's reliable. He's consistent. He showed it. He's that he's a winner in college. He showed it that he can contribute to winning on the Mavericks. So I think that Jalen Brunson um, being the point for the future for the New York Knicks is a solid move. I don't know if I would call it great, but I think it's solid. Um, And this, all the signings they made just makes me think like that they're ready to start building for what they have now not for the future anymore um just sticking to the guys and developing them in a system together but like Dylan Brunson uh although he hasn't been in the league for like a super long time he's not a vet uh I think by age he could be considered a vet just being an old college player and coming into the draft I mean coming into the into the league with experience that it's like okay we're ready to, to start winning now made the playoffs with Julius Randle uh, two years ago, disappointing season last year, but they definitely, all the moves they made want to be back there in the playoffs. Um, on to the Oklahoma City Thunder, the only <clears throat> news they made 
was that they re-signed or they extended Lou Dort to five years, 87.5 million. Uh, when I saw this, the, my first thought was, oh my God, great for Lou Dort. Uh, love Lou Dort as a player and like the person he is from everything that I've seen and heard in locker rooms and all that. Uh, but five years, $87 million is quite the contract for a guy like Lou Dort. Uh, what do you think about this contract? Uh, I think OKC is putting their faith in Lou Dort that he improves as an offensive player. We all know that the defensive ability is there. He's just got to put it together on the offensive end. So I think OKC giving him that contract is sort of proof that they want to see him develop the offensive game, maybe be the, the, the third option possibly to Shea and Chet. But I mean, him getting the bag uh, was very surprising, but I think they're trying to see uh, if he can put it together on the offensive end. Uh, we can move on to the Orlando Magic. Not an eventful offseason for them. They re-signed Mo Bamba to a two-year $21 million deal and guard Gary Harris to a two-year $26 million deal. Uh, my thoughts, Mo Bamba staying. I think he wants to prove that he can be a starter uh, for a maybe good team. I think this is just a trial run, to uh, uh, not a trial run, but a a two-year deal where he can show his value and then possibly get more money in two years when he's a free agent. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a competition for that starting center role between him and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, so that'll be interesting to look forward to and see if they can play alongside Paulo since he is the future for of that team. And then resigning Gary Harris, I have no like real comments on it just because Gary Harris uh I think he could be on a better team per se for maybe less money but Gary Harris at this point is just playing for money it seems like uh, he's kind of been on a maybe downhill trajectory uh after that last season he had with the Nuggets but um just getting the contract that he did, I do think it's a lot for Gary Harris. But I, this makes me just feel like like Orlando wants Gary Harris and they like Gary Harris uh, on the team. Maybe not as a contributor, or at least think that he's a big time contributor. Um, but maybe like a locker room guy. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like I guess they like Harris. I mean, uh, everything you said about Mo Bamba, um, I'm that, and I think the Magic are pretty loaded at every position going into next year. So it's just a matter of if they can put it all together and develop nicely. Uh, to the 76ers, um, they signed Daniel House two years, $8.5 million. They signed uh, Trevlin Queen. I don't even know if I'm saying his first name correctly, but uh, league MVP this year had uh, made some noise in the G League. So I think getting a contract is deserved for him. Two years, $3 million. And the biggest signing for them is P.J. Tucker. Three years, $33 million. Uh, my take, let's just say they're going to be called the Philadelphia Rockets. Uh, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, James Harden, Daryl Morey. Obviously, we're all on the Rockets during the James Harden years. So uh, I think... This move, obviously, I don't think Harden can play the way he did in Houston, but I think these are just moves to 
go a little bit smaller if they want to and um, be great three-point shooters and great defenders in their own right. Um, I do think that P.J. Tucker and Daniel House are going to be vital. And if they want to go small, maybe you can play a lineup if Tobias Harris is staying. Maybe you play a lineup of James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, either P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, and, and Embiid. But uh, these three moves are, yeah, three moves are all to sure up at least uh, somewhat of the starting role, and but for but mainly the backup or the bench. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, again, these three signings. Uh, it's funny you bring up the Philadelphia Rockets. I didn't really realize that until now. Even Trevor and Queen is from. He was with Houston last year, but. Uh, I think these moves are just to address needs for sure, plus um, some bench depth, uh, depending on who starts and who doesn't. But not too much noise for the 76ers. Solid offseason so far. Uh, moving on to the Phoenix Suns, they re-signed guard Devin Booker to a four-year, $214 million max extension. Uh, not surprising. You figured that he's probably going to be one of those guys that stays in Phoenix for the majority of his career, unless he, unless Phoenix becomes a somewhat rebuilding team. Uh, obviously, they're the Phoenix Suns are in the running for the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, but he, but Booker can't go to Brooklyn because he signed a rookie max deal. So, uh, this trade, the the trade for Devin Booker is already off the table for Brooklyn, so he's going to be a Phoenix Sun, unless they get rid of, unless Brooklyn gets rid of Ben Simmons, but I highly doubt it. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Booker resigning? Uh, first, shout out to his agent Jessica Holtz, I think her name is. She was the first female agent to secure a max deal. Um, and not even that, she did it twice with Kat and Devin Booker this offseason. So, uh, big ups to her. It's, it's definitely much needed in, in a space uh, in basketball. Um, but, yeah, Devin Booker, long-term signing. It does feel like he's a guy that's going to be in Phoenix for a long time. Um, again, what you said about the kitty sweepstakes, it just adds to a point that he's probably going to stay in Brooklyn for some time. But I like, I like that Phoenix extended him. Um, that he is franchise guy. Uh, they definitely need to address what's happening with DeAndre Aiden uh, going forward to in free agency. So we're definitely be on the lookout for us talking about that and news on that coming soon. But it's just a waiting game at this point right now for them. Uh, yeah. Moving on to the to the Portland Trailblazers, they re-signed Anthony Simons to a four-year, a hundred million dollar deal. Uh, they re-signed Yusuf Nurkic to a four-year, $70 million deal. They signed Gary Payton II from the Warriors to a three-year, $28 million deal. And they re-signed Drew Eubanks to a one-year deal. Um, I think uh, re-signing their guys plus adding Gary Payton is, uh, again, moves for Dame to to keep Dame there and to keep him happy and uh, try to bring some type of winning there. Uh they already made the trade for Jeremy Grant earlier uh, this year, and they brought back their starting center, starting two guard. You think I had 
Anthony Simons probably plays the two next to Dame. Yeah. Uh, this year they bring in a NBA champion, uh, uh, vet Gary Payton. Probably going to come off the bench for them. Uh, they have again Jeremy Grant to, to slide into the four spot for them. Uh, I think they they still have Josh Hart. They still have so now looking at the roster, um, they're going to be better than what they were this year. And I think that they've had a pretty solid offseason just bringing their guys back, trying to run it back. Do I think that they're going to have a lot of success? Um, not really, just because this is like the same thing that we get from Portland every year that they always try to bring in role guys or re-sign their own guys to help Dame win, but nothing has really worked out. But I don't think that any big-time news is going to happen um, going forward, despite the Dame and Nurkic post of KD going there. Uh, I mean, maybe it's always a possibility. You never know with the NBA this year that if Dame and KD play together, that would be pretty crazy. Um, but, yeah, I don't really – I'm not super high on their free agency, but I'm not like super low. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Simons, glad to see him getting a four year, $100 million deal. Maybe a little bit of an overpay, but I think he has the possibility in a few years' time to be a all star caliber guard. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic probably was always going to stay. You know, him and Dame are like hand in hand. Uh, them signing Gary Payton the second to a three-year, $28 million deal. A uh, bit surprising considering I thought Gary Payton might go back to the Warriors, but uh, him getting his money after winning an NBA championship and all the trials and tribulations he's gone through in his career uh, is very is very successful for him. And Drew Eubanks, I think, is just a signing to help sure up the, the front court spots. Yeah, nothing too crazy. But I do want to get into the Sacramento Kings. I think that – let me just say this. The Sacramento Kings, they acquired Kevin Herter in a trade uh, from Atlanta that we talked about to open the podcast, and they gave up Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless and a uh, first-round pick. They also picked up the team option on Shemezi Metu, and they signed um, Malik Monk, stolen from the Lakers, two years, $19 million. And I think that the Kings have honestly been in – this is like a good direction for the Kings uh, in terms of their offseason. Um, I know they get disrespected. I disrespected them in NBA draft talks because I – you know, the Kings have not had a lot of success. And I think all the moves they've made in the past have not contributed to trying to be successful at all. But I think that this is somewhat in the right direction. They definitely get younger, getting Kevin Herter. And I think the two, three, um, three and D, three and D type of role um, needs needed to, to be a for the Kings. And Kevin Herter definitely does that. I think signing Malik Monk is going to be good. Uh, I think maybe Malik Monk wants to play with De'Aaron Fox. They have, what an elite eight run in, in college uh, with Kentucky. So I think that's going to be exciting for us to watch. And I think it uh, picks up where Dante DiVincenzo kind of is left out because Kings don't want him. He doesn't want to go to the Kings. And you replace that with Malik Monk, which I think is a good move. Chimezi Metu was kind of a sleeper bright spot for them this year. And I think he can contribute and get um, more minutes than he has been playing next year. So I think the Kings... Uh, overall, have had a not too bad of an offseason, all things considered. Hopefully, it stays like that. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you for the most part. The the Kings have had very little success in the draft. I As I said in the draft episode, they made a great pick in Keegan Murray that is more so fit than, than talent. And I do think the Kevin Herter trade, picking up Kevin Herter, uh, maybe is a step up above Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless. Uh, I do think that he might fit well alongside De'Aaron Fox if he starts. Uh, I was expecting them to somewhat trade Harrison Barnes by now, but maybe he stays for his last year and possibly gets traded uh, before the trade deadline. But them resigning Chemetsi Matu or exercising their team option to re- keep Chemetsi Matu is going to be is a good move. Uh, he was very solid in the minutes he played for them last year. And uh, excited to see what Mike Brown, how Mike Brown uses him, and Malik Monk going there on a two-year, nineteen million dollar move is a very shocking one. Uh, he was talking for the past few days about how he was going to take less money to resign with the Lakers, and then all of a sudden he signs with the Kings. And as you mentioned, Kentucky boys, him and De'Aaron Fox, uh, I think that's going to be an interesting move this offseason see how it works out uh it's glad to see that the kings are somewhat moving in the right direction and maybe this is the the turn they needed after the whole halliburton trade and everyone being mad at them for it before we move on i think it's kind of it just kind of hit me that atlanta got some pretty good value out of kevin herter all things considered they got two rotational guys or fringe rotational guys, whatever you want to see Justin Holiday or Mo Harkless says, but I think they're going to contribute for the Hawks. Plus a first-round pick for Kevin Herter, uh, which a bench guy for you sometimes started, but I would think majority of the time he came off the bench for the Hawks this year. I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up, that that's pretty solid value for Kevin Herter. And the Kings giving up a first-round pick like that, maybe they realize they're maybe not the best drafting in recent years, but yeah, so for the Kings. Yeah, uh, going back to the to the value, I think I think Atlanta wanted the first round pick. They would take the they would take the salaries of Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless, but I think them getting that pick could possibly be vital, depending on where the Kings finish. But I don't think I don't think the Kings are a, a, a playoff are a playoff team. So I mean, Atlanta will probably get. If the Kings somewhat make the playoffs or the play in, I think they'll be the the pick will go to Atlanta. But if it's like still like before the lottery, I think the Kings will keep it. So it just depends on where both teams finish this season. But uh, the moving on to the San Antonio Spurs, who haven't had an eventful off season. Uh, they acquired Danilo Gallinari in the trade with Atlanta that sent Dejounte Murray to Atlanta. Uh, but he was waived, and in that trade, they got three first-round picks via Charlotte and Atlanta. I mean, there's not really much to talk about. The DeJounte Murray trade sent waves throughout the league, and the Spurs are heading in a different direction, but them acquiring four, uh, three first-round picks and a, and a pick swap is going to be interesting to see down the line. If they excuse me, if they get the first round pick or if they get the first overall pick this upcoming season, uh, they're probably going to sign Victor Wimbanyama. But I feel like this, them trading DeJounte Murray 
they have to get the first overall pick of all out of all costs because if they don't get at least a top three pick, then this trade looks very, very bad in a sense. Yeah, I th- that uh, the Spurs are going full rebuild. Um, it didn't really click into it that they probably are reaching for for Wenbenyama right now. Just like we all thought that they were going to take a big in the draft, didn't take a big at all. So they're probably um, chasing after him any way possible, rightfully so. I think when Victor Wenbenyama, we'll get to that when the time comes. My whole spiel on him, but I think he's going to be incredible. Um, but the Spurs, yeah, just going full rebuild. I expect them to make more moves if it's Doug McDermott or uh, Jakob Podol, um or even like a Zach Collins. We'll just wait and see um, on that. Just going full, full rebuild here. But uh, to the Raptors, they re-signed Chris Boucher. Three years, $35 million. Uh, brought back Ad Young, two years, $16 million. They picked up Otto Porter, a two-year deal player option. Yeah, uh, surprised about the Thaddeus Young move that considering the age of the team and considering his age, I think he's just a, a veteran presence. Uh, Otto Porter signing with them, I think, is good, is huge for, for them because uh, they aren't the, the best three-point shooting team, and Otto Porter Jr. provides a lot of that, and I think he'll fit well as a, on the bench. And uh, are fit well with the bench. Let me let me correct myself. And I think Chris Boucher signing a three-year, thirty-five million dollar deal is interesting because I think he's a solid player off the bench. But uh, thirty-five million kind of seems like a lot, but in this day and age, uh, it's not really. So uh, I think most of these moves are just to somewhat stir up the future in a way. But I mean. Fred Van Fleet is supposed to be getting a a, a, a a huge contract. They still have Pascal Siakam, so I don't think they're making any moves. Yeah, the Boucher um, contract does seem a little high. It's kind of crazy that the Raptors are really sticking to, like, getting guys that are 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, plus Fred Van Vliet. Um and I mean, just the the contracts, these contracts, maybe they do make a move in the next two years, just because they have they're they're building contracts. I feel to make money match, uh, just to, if if trade opportunities come up in the future, and just retaining all the players um, for that. But yeah, I, I I mean, you said it. You said it best. Just bringing their guys back, adding three point shooting, which I think they definitely needed to to bring in with Otto Porter, NBA champion. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Pretty average for the Toronto Raptors. Not too exciting, not disappointing. Um, saw Jazz, we talked about them. I feel like we talked about them enough already. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rudy Gobert trade. Um, they waived Bo Cruz, uh, traded Royce O'Neal. Um, yeah, y'all heard us talk about the Jazz already. Yeah, uh, they waved Juancho Hernan Gomez. <laughs> I'm laughing because of all the memes I saw, which were just, <laughs> which were just like, they were they were funny but sad at the same time, considering the the the, the plot and story of the movie. So like it, it the the memes were funny but at the same time sad. 
Boston Boston has to sign him now. They have to. I think uh, I think he he doesn't like Boston, so like it's gonna be it'll be interesting, but and funny if it happens. But I heard that like he didn't he didn't like being in Boston. Um, they also they traded Royce O'Neal to to Brooklyn, and they got a first round pick in return. So uh, the Utah Jazz are just going full rebuild mode. I expect them to get rid of or trade Donovan Mitchell at this point because Donovan Mitchell does not want to be in a rebuilding situation considering the talent he, he is. So uh, I assume that he's going to be traded probably before the season starts. Uh, maybe Miami, maybe New York, but we'll see. And moving on to the last team of the first episode of the free agency special, uh, the Washington Wizards, they resigned guard Bradley Bill to a five-year, $251 million deal. They received Monte Morris and Will Barton in the trade that sent Ish Smith and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope to Denver. And they re-signed Anthony Gill to a two-year deal. And they signed guard DeLon Wright to a two-year, $16 million deal. Uh, do you want me to start since I sort of live in the city since it, uh, due to school? Go All for right. it. Bradley Bill, his five-year, $251 million extension. I know the fan base wants to see him go, but, I mean, he's comfortable just living in the city, being a huge part, playing basketball, raising his family. Uh, you you get thrown $251 million. At, you get $251 million thrown at you. You're probably not going to say no to go to another team and play basketball. I don't care if you really want to win. If you're If you're comfortable – raising your family in a certain city, $251 million, you're not throwing that away. So I'm happy for him. I think, uh, I think they want, he wants to see what the team can do when he's healthy this year. Maybe they're not obviously a NBA finals contending team, but a playoff team, maybe a first or second round appearance uh, is in the hopes for them. Hopefully KP stays healthy and we'll see what they can do. They have, they still have Kuzma. A uh, vital piece who ended up playing well in at Bradley Bill's absence, and uh, we can move on to the Monte Morris Will Barton acquisition. Uh, as I said, Monte Morris for Is Smith, or yeah, Monte Morris. They got Monte Morris for Is Smith, uh, straight point guard swap, and Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope went to Denver in exchange for Will Barton. Will Barton is playing close to where he grew up. I think he's from. Baltimore I think if I'm not mistaken and so he's playing close to home uh, I think there are two pieces that are going to be vital in what Denver does in the in the not Denver in what Washington does in the future obviously they drafted Johnny Davis with the 10th pick and uh they resigned Anthony Gill, who is a who is a rotational piece he does get spot minutes in, in he did get spot minutes during the season when the Wizards were sort of in injury prone. They were sort of an injury prone team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see him get spot minutes and rotational minutes. And then DeLon Wright is DeLon Wright getting a two year, $16 million deal. He's literally going to be the backup point guard. I honestly didn't know Raul Neto was a free agent. So now that he is on the Cavs, DeLon Wright will for certainly get the backup guard role. And I think that is a solid backup guard uh, 
acquisition for the Wizards. Maybe he play well, not even maybe he will probably play alongside Johnny Davis. So I like to see that how that backcourt coming off the bench will work. Yeah. Um I'll start back at the top with Bradley Bill. Uh I don't really understand why Wizards fans kind of want him out. Um I mean Bradley Bill is a He's had tremendous seasons for Washington, even though the team has been bad. I mean, he's doing what I guess is he's supposed to be doing. And if he says anything about the team, I mean, he's doing his job. It's everyone else around him, if that makes sense. But that's besides Bradley Beal getting 200. I mean, I think you only get that contract probably once in your life. And yeah, like George said, you're not turning that down. Um, And Monte Morris, I said I was going to, wait to talk about Wizards when we first brought up this trade, but I think there's been a lot of talks uh, past couple of years of Monte Morris being one of the better uh, backup point guards in the NBA and him getting a little bit of run at the start, at the starting point with the Nuggets, but I mean, Jokic just does everything for that team. Um, so it's going to be cool to see Monte Morris in a, I would think he starts uh, this upcoming year. Um, being a legitimate starting point guard, uh, backcourt running mate for Bradley Beal. So I think that's a, a good move for the Wizards. I think they were pretty limited at the forward spot, and I think guard, um, especially point guard, is something that they desperately needed to to address. And I think they literally did that. Monte Morris, Will Barton, although he's not a true point guard, I think he can handle the ball a little bit and fill in that role when needed. Uh, DeLon Wright, again, just bolsters that whole point guard uh, two guard spot along with Johnny Davis, who I think is going to contribute uh, on day one. So I really like the Wizards there. I think they're going to be super deep um, at forward spot two with with Corey Kispert, my guys Corey Kispert and and Rui Hachimura, uh, a- Anthony Gill here, Denny Avdia, and then plus their bigs KP uh, Gafford still on contract, right? I believe I think Thomas Bryan is a free agent. Uh, so we'll wait to see on him, but I think the Wizards, I hope they can be a, a playoff team going into next year. I, I like the moves they made, and I like their team going forward into next year as of right now. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for the team, especially when I go back. Uh, I've always been a fan of Bradley Bill. Uh, maybe, maybe there were times where I thought he should leave for his career, but I mean, when you're comfortable – uh, you, as I said, you're not turning down a max extension, probably the only one you'll ever get, because if he's there for, let, let's say he, let's say he doesn't finish out in Washington, he gets traded, but I mean, he'll be 30, 34 when he's up for free agency again. Uh, you're not going to get another bag like that. You'll probably get something in the hundred million dollar range, but not 251. Uh, so yeah him resigning i'm excited for what the team has in store for this season monte morris will barton coming in uh delon wright coming in as well anthony gill getting rotational minutes i'm excited to see what this where this team goes but uh that's technically it for the this podcast we'll just name the remaining free agents uh james harden is still negotiating his deal with philly Uh, i think he wants a short-term deal maybe long-term considering that he opted out uh, yeah, he opted out 
and decided to give Philly more room to sign guys like P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. DeAndre Ayton is still looking for a sign-and-trade, possibly. Miles Bridges, God only knows what's up with that situation. We'll see what happens. Colin Sexton uh, is still looking. Maybe with the Raul Neto signing, he probably goes to Dallas. Looks at like a more and more for sure thing every uh, as the passing days move. Uh, TJ Warren, we'll see what happens with him. He hasn't played basketball, I think, in like a year and a half due to injury. Melo probably is going to resign with the Lakers, if anything. Uh, Lakers, if not, maybe Nuggets. But um, for sure that Dante DiVincenzo, we'll see where he goes. He has already declined the offer from the Kings. Uh, the Kings declined to offer him the qualifying offer. So he's a free agent for sure. Dennis Schroeder. We'll see what happens with him and Thomas Bryant. Maybe he resigns with the uh, Wizards, but I mean, the Wizards are have already, they have a lot of death in the front court, so I don't see him staying there. Uh, and then last but not least, oh no, we still have five more people. DeMarcus Cousins, Blake Griffin, Montrez Harrell, who is in another uh, situation with the law and legal proceedings are about to happen so somewhere along the line we'll figure out what happens with him and eric pasco um i know do you want to talk about demarcus cousins and blake griffin before we get out of here oh of course i've been pushing this agenda for the clippers to get john wall which they did and the other dream of mine is to bring in demarcus cousins they we know that wanted to or they did play together and they wanted to play together in houston um, and I think that, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein's gone. We have a spot, a big spot open, I would think. DeMarcus Cousins, at minimum, play with your guys. You were already on the Clippers at one point in time. Um, come back, or maybe if you don't come back, but the Clippers, I think it would be a pretty good move to sign him. Uh, BG, I think it'd be a good story for him to come back. I don't – I pretty sure – Sure, he does not think very highly of the Clippers as an organization anymore after everything went down, but he could be a contributor if he ever does come to the Clippers. Um, so, yeah, th- th- that's my my two thoughts on these two guys. Yeah, uh, as you said, I'd like to see DeMarcus Cousins come back, play with John Wall. There's no way he he doesn't. The, the same thing that happened in Houston happens here. They're going to play together. So that would be a little story going back to the to the what was that 2010 Kentucky days. Yeah. Um, and then Blake Griffin. It would be a great story. Uh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, considering how the the Blake Griffin trade happened back in 2015. Oh, I know 2017. But um, if it happens, it happens. I'd like to have Blake be on the Clippers for a championship run. But uh there's still probably a little sour taste going back to that trade in 2017. But uh, this is the first week of the free agency special and the 13th episode of the four out one in podcast. I'm your host, George Hamilton, the third and Carlos Costas. And we're signing off. Peace. Later.